Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. We're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 225, not a double-sized issue, the beginning of the fall of the mutants. Yes. This one's on sale September 15th, 1987, cover date of January 1988, and uh, cover price 75 cents is titled False Dawn. Because the last one was titled The Dark Before the Dawn. Oh. I see what happened there. Yeah. This, so I'm assuming next issue is called Dawn. <laughs> you would be incorrect. Uh, this is the very first issue I bought off the newsstand. Brand new. Oh. Yeah. Was it... Had you been aware of X-Men prior to that? Or was it just kind of like, this looks neat? No, I had friends at school, and this was the issue. They're like, hey, stop reading G.I. Joe. Read this. And I read this, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. You got any more? And they let me read some, and then I went to the comic book store, and I bought everything I could find. And why'd you stop reading G.I. Joe? Uh, Because I was peer pressured out of it. Oh, weak. (laughs) I know. It is pretty bad, isn't it? (laughs) You can read two things at once. You can even read secretly read G.I. Joe. Uh... I don't know. I, I thought they might have caught me or something. <laughs> that is tough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, here, here it is. And this is this is a good one. This is a good issue to start off with. It's a good cover. Um, this is uh, Sylvestri and uh, Green, kind of, I don't know, at their probably best. The peak of their powers? I think so, this issue. Um, the cover's great. Um, Dazzler, she's got a new outfit. Colossus is on the cover blobs bigger but i i don't have a problem with that uh stonewall you got like this big muscly back from him the only person who looks a little weird is probably wolverine his head looks like he would be straining the other side of his neck to get that pose it almost looks like uh like they took a cutout of wolverine's head and like pasted it onto another person's body it's exactly what i was gonna say like they had some like wolverine stickers and they're like, I don't want to draw Wolverine's head. They're like, oh, it's okay. Just stick this sticker on this awesome body I drew. Because really, the body's really good, perspective-wise and everything. But the head is just like, boop. Dazzler looks kind of stupid. She, I don't like her, her pose. She's in girl hero pose, like butt out, breasts out, or butt in, breasts out, whatever. She's... Well, yeah, Ro- Rogue is in that pose, too, and Rogue looks great. But, like, Dazzler just looks like she's doing the diva like she's about to she's in the middle of a dance move is what it looks like oh yeah yeah she's dancing then she whips out her solid photon laser fingers um, also her sunglasses make her face look stupid yeah this is the introduction of dazzler's sunglasses and meh. i don't mind them in the issue meh. i just don't uh, care for them on the cover uh mystique is also on the cover and she is wielding some sort of a crazy looking gun Mystique? Oh, there she is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice her. She was she was kind of masked by Blob. Yeah. And spirals there at the top as well. So we open the... Got we, six swords. We open this thing up. It's written by Chris Claremont. Mark, Mark Silvestri is the penciler. Dan Green's the inker. Tom Wozikowski is the letterer. Glennis Oliver's the colorist. And Nascenti's the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And it's, it's, uh, it's a picture of a picture. We were looking at the interior of someone's sketchbook. I, for one, really like the picture within the picture. Yeah? I do. It's it's very well drawn out. We get a little bit of what's kind of been going on, sort of. Um, you see at least the battle between Psylocke, 
Dazzler, Havoc, and Juggernaut. Rogue which, playing baseball, which I guess wasn't something we're catching up on. Yeah, I mean, Colossus... We don't know that this oh. is Colossus, by the way. Oh, well, okay. It, it, it does introduce, these are Peter Rasputin's dearest friends in many ways closer to him than even his own family. So you get the impression that he is looking at this, at least. You, you don't know that Peter Rasputin has anything to do with this. This could just be like... Well, why are we talking about Peter Rasputin <laughs> if he's not there? Um, I don't know. Wouldn't it be neat if like the next dialogue box on the next page was like, Peter Rasputin loved many of these things, yet he's not in this issue. This issue <laughs> is about Wolverine. Peter Rasputin is dead. <laughs> he died on the table on Muir Island. What is Shadowcat so doing? She's looks like she's testing out a new dress or something. She is staring at herself in a window or something and trying on a dress. Maybe it's a dress that Peter got for her when they were dating. Maybe. Longshot? Who I f does he even know Longshot? Well, that's the question. They, it does say these are Peter Rasputin's dearest friends, and uh, the same question applies for Dazzler and Psylocke. Psylocke, possibly, because she was there. And Longshot was supposedly at the mansion the whole time. Right. And Colossus wasn't in a coma. That was That's Nightcrawler. He's just been uh, uh, paralyzed. So it's possible that all of these people have been down to visit him many times. Well, yes, but dearest friends? Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch. It's, it is a bit of a stretch. I'll give you that. Also, Juggernaut is on the page. So <laughs> I guess you can take this whole thing with a grain of salt. Well, he, he dearest friend... Uh, because uh, he and uh, Juggernaut had like that fight at that bar, so maybe they're just like they have a mutual respect for one another because they're so so closely matched in strength. <laughs> maybe I doubt it. Anyways, we turn the page, and this is where things get a little interesting uh, in my history. I liked this issue so much that I had a creative writing assignment, and okay. I decided that I was going to transcribe the fall of the mutants into my own creative writing. The whole the whole event? That was the plan. Like, I had started, and I started like this. This is Edinburgh. Proud, well, of course, I pronounce it Edinburgh, but, you know. <laughs> uh, proud and ancient capital of Scotland, whose tranquility last summer, bloody, bloody, bloody. And I was going to, like, insert, like, a, a different hero team name in the X-Men, and I would have replaced all of the character names. So it wasn't, like, direct plagiarism, but it would have been plagiarism. <laughs> I had written maybe a quarter of a page of this when I realized, like, wow, like, it doesn't look like much on the comic book page, but when you start writing it down on, on you know, line-ruled uh, notebook paper, like, it fills up a notebook pretty or fills up a page pretty quick. So I was like, good lord, this is going to take me forever. So I kind of left it aside and then went and played or whatever I did. And then <laughs> my parents were like, they're like, uh, do you want to tell us about your creative writing assignment? And I was like, no, like what? And they're like, what is this that you're writing? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just had an idea for a story. And they're like, you don't know where Edinburgh is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what Edinburgh is. I'm like, eh, it's, a, it's a city in Scotland. Of course I know. Like, where are you copying this from? <laughs> and that ended my plagiarism uh, for the creative writing assignment. How did they discover this? Did you just leave it out on the kitchen table or something? No, it was in my room. Like, on, I had a desk in my room. It was just on there. So maybe, I don't You're know. Reading like, your diary? It wasn't my diary. It was just. My home may as well have been. <laughs> I they claimed that they were. Le I don't remember what they claimed they were doing, but they're in my room doing something, and they they saw that, and they're like, "You need to do something other than copy somebody else's work." <laughs> so, anyways, 
So we get uh, we kind of get caught up, I guess, uh, w- with what's been going on in Edinburgh, as we've read in the pages of the X Men, most uh, notably the fight between the new X Men and Juggernaut. Yes, and seasons apparently have passed. What once was winter is now summer. And it was, in fact, uh, Colossus Peter Rasputin coloring or drawing in his notepad. He's surrounded by a bunch of kids that are pretty impressed by what he's drawing. And they're also equally impressed that he's drawn the Juggernaut and the X-Men. And it took me about a page and a half to get the fact that these kids were speaking with an accent. Because they're kind of not speaking with an accent at first. But then I guess they sort of are. But I didn't realize it until, until halfway down the next page. Yeah, Chris Claremont starts throwing in a whole bunch of, dinner, you see it? And yeah. stuff like that. And that's supposed to be, I guess, the Scottish. Well, I think this what you're doing is also supposed to be the Scottish. Are you a drawer then? But I, I just thought that was kids being kids. Sure. So yeah, he's drawing. The kids are acting out like the, the battle. And, the, and they're claiming that the X-Men are the good guys because the X-Men take down the juggernaut. And everybody's happy and excited. And Colossus is... Uh, illustrating the kids mocking the X-Men's battle and also thinking to himself that he wishes the rest of the world has a, had as much faith in the X-Men as these kids do. One of the kids is named Jordy. Do you think it's Jordy LaForge? Well, he's white, but it's possible. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that, that does kind of squash that. Uh, one of the kids wearing a Charlie Brown shirt, although it's blue with the black jaggedy lines. He asks uh, if Peter is sick because he's sweating and he's pale. Colossus is like, no, I'm, I was, but I'm better. I was ill, actually. I was only recently was released from the hospital. Oh, we should also point out that uh, when asked if Colossus is an artist, he says, I try. I am not very good. <laughs> I'm not good with pictures or being sick. Because now I'm not sick anymore. Uh, one of the Scottish kids is like, You talk funny. Are you American? And the other kid's like, They're going to be daft. Uh, he, Jamie Douglish. Jamie Douglish? He's going to sound like J.R. Ewing or Max Headroom. Ah, what's the point of watching television if you don't pay attention? Or if you didn't pay attention? Putting us firmly in an era when yeah. Max Headroom and Dallas was on TV. Yes. Uh, and also... I never watched Dallas when I watched only a handful of episodes of max headroom it was a weird show i'd probably like it more if i was my age then but i i think now going back and watching it it would probably be awful i feel like there's only is a handful of uh max headroom issues or episodes rather because i don't think it lasted more than a season maybe it did and D- dallas so with dallas it came on after the dukes of hazard so i would watch the opening credits because i like the music so much but then as soon as the show would start i'd turn it off how did the music go and then the airplane would like zoom over some fields that's cool or plantations or whatever they had in texas i'm not familiar with this yeah i watched it a lot I mean, just the intro credits. I don't think my my family must not have watched it either because... Did you watch I, the Dukes of Hazard? No. Oh, well, there you go. Because it, like, like, it was like Dukes we, of Hazard, Dallas, and then maybe Dynasty or one of those other shows was like the the CBS or whatever channel it was line up for Friday evenings. And that's what I would I do. like if Twin Peaks wasn't out yet, it was shortly to come out. And that, that mm. like, I'm very familiar. Like, I was never allowed to watch it, but... I could I I do recall the opening credits. Sure. 
Twin Peaks is probably 10 years later because I was watching Dukes of Hazard and uh, Dallas when I was, I swear to God, five or six years old. Well, yeah, I don't. Do you think Dukes of Hazard at this time was in syndication or it was, or, or you were actually watching episodes as they air? I think I was watching episodes as they air. Oh, okay. I thought Dukes of Hazard was older for some reason. It's 80s. I mean, early 80s. And I was, yeah, that's about the time I was five, six, seven years old. Fair enough. Yeah. It wasn't in the 70s. That's, I'm fairly certain of that. I've, for some reason, I've always associated it with the 70s. Don't know why. Yeah. There's probably no logic to it, just, just something I did. Well, anyways, uh, Peter Rasputin, he's like, no, I'm from Russia, uh, but I live in America now. And then the kids kind of make fun of him. They're like, your dad's a communist, or your dad's a communist. Your dad voted for Thatcher, but he's a mutant too. Yes. I didn't understand about the X-Men. He used to be a boss. Now they're all a bunch of girls. I to die today. <laughs> they need more boy mutants. Luckily, Colossus has a picture of Colossus that he's able to show the kids. This guy is a mainstay of the team. And for some reason, they don't know him. They seem to know a lot about the X-Men. You'd think they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Colossus. Yeah, we know him. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they're only familiar with the recent battles in Edinburgh, which would not have featured. Well, he that's where the fight took place with uh, Juggernaut, I thought. I don't remember. Maybe that was in New York. Well, no, it did. It, it, no, it Colossus and Juggernaut. Oh, the Colossus. Yeah, that was in, in Westchester. Okay. So, yeah. These kids are only familiar with what happens in their own backyard. And that's when Lewis shows up, and he's got blue jeans and a leather jacket and a white t-shirt. And he's like, them X-Men is willies. I don't know how to do a tough guy Scottish. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, yes, that's hard. Ugh. Them X-Men is willies. <laughs> now you just sound like groundskeeper, Willie. Them X-Men Willy. is willies. <laughs> and they kind of get in a little tussle. They're like, says you. X-Factor are the real heroes. They're ordinary folks like us. They didn't have any fancy powers. And that's when they start fighting. And Peter has to get in between them and is like, look. Listen to me, all of you. Mutants are not inhuman monsters. They're people who are born. And then we get the backstory, right? Born with extraordinary abilities. Uh, Some are good, some are bad. Yep. Just like life, kids. They're people. Judge them like people. That's when Lewis's gang walks away and they're like, people didn't wreck Edinburgh last winter. Muties did. You've not heard the last of this. You'll be sorry you ever stuck up for them. So there's a lot of comings and goings in this scene. Um, like people show up and disappear and then re-show up. <laughs> it's it's uh, not sure who to blame for this. No. But another person shows up and the kids all disappear. And it's a lady who doesn't ever have a name. And she says, hey, uh, I would like you to – I don't know what her nationality is. She doesn't, she doesn't do any dinners. Let's pretend that she's Midwest American. She may as well be. Um she would, she wants to commission a sketch of herself, and she, in return, she will read Colossus's palm. She's a, she's a mind reader or a fortune teller or something like that. And she says, there's much more to you than meets the eye. And, she, and Colossus is like, who are you? And thinks to himself, how does she know these things? What's going on here, he says. Well, somehow she knows that he killed somebody and feels really bad about it. So that's when he starts getting really, like, freaked out about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. A girl, a summer evening, a sketch conversation between friends. That's all. A choice after which nothing will be the same, on which the fate of everything depends. 
She's continuing. Uh, she's continuing to read his palm as she's saying that. Yeah. Yes. And he's drawing. So he's really talented. He's getting his palm read with one hand and drawing with the other hand. That is hard to do. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's doing one of those one-line sketches where it's just like everything is one single line, and you have to sometimes go back on yourself. Sure, that could be because how I don't know how he'd be holding the piece of paper. Let's see. I yeah. Don't know. And that's when he's like, "Enough! I've had a." Uh, I am tired of your games. I want answers. And that's when in her place, I guess he's looked up from the sketch pad, is a chess piece of himself as Colossus. And then she, he looks down at the piece of paper and he's like, this picture that I drew, it's not her, but it is her. And we look at it and we don't see the woman that we just saw earlier. Well, I look at it and I say, you know, Mark Silvestri draws all women kind of the same anyway. Yeah, this girl's got like evil arched... Um, uh, eyebrows. She's got like a big widow's peak. The other girl has like bangs like tossed in front of her face. This is a very distinctly different girl. Yes. Although this makes Colossus a very bad artist. <laughs> uh, mainly because the this girl that he drew has like a ponytail up above her head. <laughs> was, uh, like, How did he get that wrong? I mean, I don't want to go too far ahead, but I think, I think the point is is that he was perceiving one thing with his eyes, but his mind was interpreting it a different way, which was feeding his pencil, uh, well, spoilers, and drawing her true form. I, I like it. I don't mind. I, I don't mind the the inconsistency uh, of what, you know, she clearly does not look like this, but yeah, he drew it. I like that. Why did I draw Lady Namor? <laughs> she does kind of uh, look a little Namor-esque. Namorina? <laughs> Namorita, yeah, from the... Ita, uh, that's what it was. Namorita from the new Defenders, for the new new Guardians, the something like that, I don't remember. Yeah, it's the, def- the Defenders, the new Defenders. Okay. I think I think there was a Namor or a Namorita in the Guardians, though, too. Not the Guardians of the Galaxy. There was a Guardians? I don't know. The New Warriors. That's who it was. Oh, yes. Yes. I believe that was also Namorita. Yeah. Although maybe Namorita wasn't in uh, the Defenders. Maybe that was other lady that kind of looks like this. You were the one who read that, not me. So, uh, you know, these things go in and out of my head very quickly. I, yes, I hear you. So that's when Lewis and his gang, they've climbed a, up a building and they're lighting off some fireworks. And they're like, this old. This will teach him to mess with us. And he throws one of the firecrackers at Colossus's butt and it blows up. And Colossus reacts by Colossusizing. He turns all of his skin into his metallic form and he is unable to control this, as he says. Cannot maintain my concentration, reverting to my armored form. Everybody, all the kids who are back all of a sudden, um, apparently they left temporarily when this lady showed up and now they're back. (laughs) They see this and they run away. (laughs) He's a mutie. Run for your lives. So I feel like the kids, you know, like they saw the girl and they're, they stepped back like 20 feet and they're kind of like, ooh, Peter's got a girlfriend. But we just don't hear that. And I think they're just kind of chuckling and making fun of the whole situation. And Which I'm fine with. But like what happened to the part where they're like, ooh, Peter's girlfriend turned into a chess piece. <laughs> well, that's when everybody kind of turned around because they're like, hey, well, what should we do? Should we go to the comic book shop or get some ice cream? And that's when it all happened. When they turned around, they're like, oh, Colossus's girl or Peter's girlfriend left. Or maybe they just never saw the girl. Maybe the whole thing was sort of a only in Peter's head. Because otherwise, the only other way to look at it is uh, they are only there when the plot calls for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how I'm looking at it. <laughs> okay. 
So he turns into Colossus, and uh, so the the bully kids are like, I knew there was something wrong about him. And the nice kids are like, oh my god, he's a muty, run for your life. And Colossus is like, you thought Colossus was neat, Jamie. So he reaches his hand out to Jamie, maybe so that Jamie might shake his hand or take his hand or something, and Jamie will not do it. That was a pitcher. Yep. I am not a monster. And he thinks to himself, to see that a monster is precisely what he thinks I am. When a single boy look into the boy's eyes is all I need to realize what yeah. I just said. Then we flip our attention to an impossible place, space that encompasses all existence, time that embraces all eternity. And it's a super boring cosmos plane uh, in which <laughs> in the middle is a chessboard and out of the middle of the chessboard appears Naze or whoever he is. This is like a sci-fi thing. This page puts me to sleep. It's always like there's always somebody watching. I don't mind this as a concept. I just... The, like I said, like the whole Naze plot line, like every time I see the page, I'm like, oh, I just want to turn the page. I just <laughs> want this over. Um, yes. Uh, so in this plane is a is Naze or, or whoever he is. And well, well, we learn that the the trickster uh, uh, yes. is occupying the real Naze's body um, that apparently at some point. Najee really was an opponent that was keeping the trickster back out of Earth. But a long time ago, the trickster took over Najee's body. I feel like we saw it in the pages of the X-Men with like the one-eyed guys. Like he was Naze for like a couple of pages and then he was taken over. I feel. Okay. But that was a while ago. In any event, yes, you are correct. Oh, yeah. In the in Forge's thing a long time ago. So so you think when we were originally introduced to Najee back when they were fighting the dire wraiths and whatnot? Yes. At the end of that, when everybody goes crazy, that's when he takes over. I, I feel like it. I feel like those pieces. I, I think so, but I don't know. I, I think you're right. I feel I like there was even a, right. like a panel of like, oh, the old man's dead and nothing will ever be the same or something. And it was him talking about himself. But anyways... Uh, the woman that Colossus was drawing is here, and her name is Roma, or Lady Roma, or Roma, naturally rising pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's bound up by stuff. It doesn't. Yeah, you can't really see what this stuff is, but it's evil stuff. Sure, why not? Seems like it's kind of coming out of her dress, holding her down, and it's kind of like holding onto her back. Maybe it's kind of morphing into her hair a little bit. So she was last seen in Captain Britain number 14, uh, okay. which was published, as Google is about to tell me. Oh, this was, I guess it was an Alan Davis story. So this is an Alan Davis creation, and she, she goes back to 1985. So it wasn't that long ago. She looks like an Alan Davis design. So I was wondering that. Uh, is this a original creation for this Fall of the Mutants, or was she pulled from somewhere? And I think you've just confirmed that for us, that she was pulled from somewhere else. Hinting the things that are to come with Excalibur. Oh, yeah. I think uh, probably Chris Claremont is steeping himself in the, the history of Captain Britain. Yeah, because certainly uh, Excalibur is either being worked on or definitely greenlit by this point. In fact, there's probably even ads for it. There might be. I can't remember. 
Anyways, uh, she's held hap- uh, captive. He uh, introduces himself as the trickster officially, and he talks about the chessboard, and he says, you thought Storm and Forge were going to be your champions, but I've removed them from the board. And so now you have the crux of the plot that's kind of been seeded through the last, I don't know, year and a half worth of issues of X-Men. It all comes down to some stuff between two let's say elder gods sure (laughs) yeah and so uh roma thinks to herself uh, the game is far from over um there are players you haven't even begun to suspect the final jest may yet be on you me me so back in scotland um and i i don't know i've always looked at this and been like did he fast forward into days of future past (laughs) because <laughs> it's very like you have muties all die and you've got the team of the x-men juggernaut was here and is a torn poster on a broken brick wall it looks very like post-apocalyptic wastelandy it's, it's good drawing but i don't i don't know i feel like they would have cleaned this up in scotland my favorite thing about this is that the x-men clearly posed for this photo <laughs> this was their headshot or, or i guess team <laughs> shot like we're gonna go out for a play you guys let's take this picture and then the fbi or whoever got a hold of it interpol i suppose yeah i don't i mean maybe this maybe this uh they maybe they had just stopped juggernaut and some more like a newsie was like hey can i get a picture and they were like, let's pose, guys. There's a problem with that, though, because you've got Longshot, Rogue, Dazzler, Storm, Psylocke, Havoc, and Wolverine on the cover. I can't think of any time, and I'm sure it occurred, but I can't think of any time when that specific group of people was together uh, that could have posed for this picture. They weren't uh, They weren't there for the Juggernaut thing? St- uh, Storm wasn't. Well, they were... Okay, so between the time that Storm left and... So so yeah so, and Wolverine so some, some, wasn't. somewhere between the the time the well Wolverine let's see so it would have to be <laughs> in between in between the story where Storm is uh, on her own uh-huh. uh, where she's facing off with Captain Commando well, Wolverine was in those issues he was just wounded and like cast aside for a while right so he so at the end of that she goes like she goes back to Scotland and they hook up with the rest of the X-Men, and then she leaves again to go to that. So somewhere in between where she gets to Scotland with and or hanging out with the team, this is just before she leaves for Forge's castle. So maybe she's like, guys, I got this mission I'm going to do, and it's going to be tough, and I might not make it back. So why don't we get together, get a group photo? Yeah. Moira McTaggart takes the shot, and boom, the rest is history. And somehow it gets published. Somehow it leaks out to whoever published this poster and put it on this brick wall that apparently Juggernaut knocked down, which has made Colossus so angry. And uh, uh, we get a very angry, colorful picture of Colossus's face as he says, Yet it is the X-Men who are blamed, even though the team risked their lives to stop him. And as I was reading this, I think I think this is the turning point to where um color was starting to um um uh what am i trying to say uh c- color was exceeding the capabilities of the four color dot print even though it's going to be like five or six years before they transition to different paper and different uh, printing techniques because there's like right. there's like to make this silver effect there's like six shades of colors going on and i really like it a lot i'm sure they have ways of doing fun kind of multicolor techniques like this i'm just saying like i think 
prior to this, uh, you would see Colossus's face be more white with maybe uh, like a half tone of gray, uh, and then the blue-black hair with the white streak, and that would be it. But but this has got a lot of detail and it's heavy on the color. It's good, but I feel like you know as we move into like kind of the next period of the X Men and like where Jim Lee takes over, I think coloring becomes more. Uh, in the foreground and and then ultimately they switch over to the new paper which allows for better handling of that color because this is essentially newsprint yeah and newsprint can only do i mean it does like some amazing things with color but it can only do so much that's my only point. i i can neither uh uh concur or or deny what you're saying but i would suspect that at least part of it is mark silvestri just kind of fooling around with uh the coloring of the form and working closely with whoever the colorist is. Right. Oh, uh, I agree with that. Glennis Oliver. Yeah. Or maybe she's just hitting her stride. I don't know. Yeah. It's the well-colored issues. I guess what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so he, uh, he smashes the building and he's like, why are we so fearsome? Why do people hate us? And then he realizes that he just smashed a building after complaining about everybody blaming the X-Men for smashing buildings. And he's like, Perhaps my deeds are sufficient answer. I am no good at <laughs> philosophy. I am no good at not destroying things. So he <laughs> crashes down on his knees and he's like, Oh, I must I must go back to um the hospital. But what we've learned here is that uh somehow when he recovered from his wounds, armor became his body's natural state instead of flesh, and now he can only transform to flesh with the greatest of difficulty. Um, so he's, he's pretty much stuck in armored form and, and now he's like, well, how am I going to get back, back to the, how am I going to get back uh, across Scotland if I'm just uh, Colossus? Or maybe, maybe I shouldn't go back to the hospital. Maybe I should be with the X-Men. Where is home? I just realized that the, the chess piece that he has been uh, holding that is of himself is from the chessboard from the previous scene. Well, yeah. Yeah. I never made that connection. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean... And if you look at the chessboard, Colossus is not on it. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you got. Sometimes, you got, you sometimes be, I overlook these things okay. that are and I think seem this, obvious on the face of it, but I think this this does harken back to our dire race because even on the cover or on the chessboard of the dire race, you've got some dire wraiths that are knocked over. You've got Rogue and I'm sorry, Storm and Forge are knocked over. And then on the board, you got Wolverine, Dazzler. Uh, uh, I don't think those are Dire Wraiths. I think those are Eye Killers. Oh, Eye Killers. I always mix those guys up. Uh, Stonewall, Mystique, Havoc, Blob, Longshot, Crimson Commando, Speedy Guy, Rogue. Who's the guy that is to the right of Stonewall who looks like they're pointing out? There's oh. a couple people pointing out. So the guy that, well, the one guy pointing out with circles on his chest, that's Havoc. That would be. Yeah. Who's the person opposite Havoc? uh avalanche that's my guess too yeah who's the person in front of avalanche stonewall no no to the oh to the direct directly in front who's also pointing forward oh i i don't know and then who's in front of that person is that supposed to be rogue i think that's rogue she's flying away but but she looks like she's in the wrong costume well you know these chess pieces are tough to update (laughs) i know right (laughs) these these x-men always changing their costumes So Colossus decides that he's going to make a phone call, see if he can get in contact with the X-Men, see if he can figure out a way to maybe get back with them. But but in his armored form, uh, he also realizes that he's far stronger than he used to be. So as he goes to dial the number, he just ends up crunching the touch-tone buttons, which probably some of our listeners are like, what's a touch-tone button? <laughs> <laughs> what's a payphone? <laughs> 
Yeah. What's a phone booth? Anyway, so he, he ends up smashing it because he gets all mad. Uh, and then apparently he's able to make some repairs on the phone. Yes. Uh, the the change of his metabolism or whatever so that he is metallic has made him much stronger than he was previously. And so he has to learn to be a little bit more delicate, which presumably he does in the next panel when he repairs the telephone. Yes. And, and I, I challenge this because four pan or three panels earlier, he completely smashed the touch tone pad. Well, I suppose maybe he could figure out a way to wire up the phone just to dial zero because he does just call the operator. Yeah. He, he may not need, you know, all the buttons to be completely, uh, he just, he just needs the, the mechanisms to, to trigger the, the circuitry. And actually I believe on old school, uh, phone telephones, any telephone, if you just hit the receiver like three or four times, it would automatically, uh, engage an operator. Actually, it looks like that is exactly what he's doing. If you look at the panel, it looks like he's flipping the receiver. Actually, that's how I thought of it, because I looked at that picture and I said, look, I think he's flipping the receiver or the clicker or the hanger upper thing. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, Adam, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls uh, Professor Xavier's school for gifted youngsters and asks for his sister. And uh, in the next panel, she shows up through teleportation. Peter, by the white wolf, Colossus says for the first time in this issue. Holding a phone. <laughs> and they have a nice little reunion. She hugs him. She's happy he's better. She just chats and chats and chats and talks about this mission that the new mutants are on. And Colossus laughs. It's good to see you. I didn't know if I was going to get an edge, uh, a word in edgewise. Uh, but I need you to interrupt your mission with the new mutants to take me to see the X-Men. This is super serious. Yeah, your super serious mission is not nearly as serious as my super serious mission. Right. But she's happy to do it, so she 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 takes them to limbo, and presumably they're on their way to wherever the X-Men are. Well, if you think about it, this is the first time that he she has seen him conscious. Right. So that's kind of a big deal. Totally. So, she, yeah, she would probably put everything on hold to take them to lunch, even if the New Mutants were dying. Which they're not. Um, honestly, I couldn't figure out where this takes place, like... Uh, Ilyana teleports away from the New Mutants in the last couple of issues like a number of times, so it probably could have been any of those. Um, well, the thing here says New Mutants number 58, which... Which doesn't help at all. But she doesn't... I mean, she doesn't really disappear at any point for more than, like, 30 seconds. So, who knows? And issue 58 was, like, published two months prior to this issue. So Yeah, something like that. I don't know. They're in a... it's, it's all part of the bird brain thing. Right. That, so so two issues ago in New Mutants, they were taking bird brain to the mall. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so, so it guess... doesn't sound like a very serious mission. Maybe, yeah, she was yeah, being, maybe she was being ironic, like, we're on a, we've got this incredibly important mission to get shoes for bird brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chris Claremont not reading the New Mutants right now. <laughs> right. Well, he's boycotting it because he's like, ugh. Ever since <laughs> I left, that, ish, that comic's gone down the drain. <laughs> So we flip our attention to Dallas Eagle Plaza, where Rogue is flying around an abandoned uh, building. Forge's abandoned building, that is. And she notices that the best way to get into the uh, penthouse apartment is through the windows because uh, she can. the windows have shattered and she could probably just take the X-Men up to the patio where Storm always likes to hang out. I'm sure that's up there somewhere, although we don't actually see it. And she thinks to herself, it was snowing in summer then, too, if I recall. I wonder if there's a connection. 
Nobody home, X-Men, as far as I can see. Skyscraper's totally abandoned. Madeline's here. She says, is that good or bad? $64 question, Miss Breyer. Seems like a waste to go to the front door, Wolverine, when the roof's wide open. How about I fly everybody up? Wolverine. She says completely reasonably. <laughs> well, Wolverine's the leader, and he's got a plan. Not that, because he didn't come up with it. He says, Well, his, his plan is to go in through the front door that he knows has traps. Right. So he says nobody goes till I give the word. He picks the lock with his claw. He goes in, thinks to himself about how Forge likes solitude even more than Wolverine does, and he rigs everything with traps. So if there is a trap, he's the best one to survive it. And sure enough, he gets riddled with laser shots all through to his which body. I say, you could still have been the first one to go in at the top. Rogue could have flown you up and then dropped you in and still the same plan and you'd be at the top instead of dying in the bottom. And you wouldn't be riddled with lasers. He's laying there uh, and Psylocke's even got to confirm that he's still alive but he's badly hurt. This is just a dumb plan. <laughs> instead of going to where we need to go let's go through the the laser riddled uh elevator and escalators and all the things to get up there well wolverine does say that in order to properly track down storm they need to follow every footstep she took which means we can't skip going from the bottom to the top we have to go where she went and storm went in through the front door so i call bull <laughs> well to that end wolverine's just being very thorough i mean wolverine's got mutant smelling powers he can smell people just as well if they're up top tell you what you go up top and if you smell that it's important for you to go downstairs, then you go downstairs. How do you know that, like, Storm didn't go into the middle or into the building, go up halfway, get zapped away to a different dimension, come back, and then go all the way to the top? If you don't go all the way through, you're not going to know that part. You don't have to do it in the same order. Do it in reverse when it's <laughs> probably, like, going to deactivate some of the traps. If you go up and start at the end, then you can go through backwards and maybe... Get some of the traps before they start. I'll be honest. Like whenever I'm doing things at work that re re uh, require me to review stuff, I usually go from the bottom to the top. Reverse engineering. Yeah. Figure out where you got to and how you how you. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a bad plan. So. Stupid Wolverine. Now the X-Men got to deal with it. And uh, Longshot jumps in. He's like, I got to save the boss. And everyone's like, no, you'll be ripped apart. But he's lucky, so he doesn't get shot. Dazzler uses her Dazzle Blast to uh, take out a couple of lasers, but not all of them. Very sad that she doesn't say Dazzle Blast as she fires. <laughs> and Longshot picks up Wolverine and is like, I'll carry you. Wolverine's like, I'm three times your weight and I can't move. Your bones are going to crack under the strain. And that's when Longshot gets zapped in the shoulder. Somehow I know you have hollow bones, but I keep forgetting about your luck powers. <laughs> Havoc's like, well, the boy's luck is running out, so he uses his powers to just destroy everything on the ceiling of the building. Wolverine's like, great, you clobbered the lasers, but the shockwaves are going to drop on me. A few tons of concrete. Wolverine, or uh, Rogue, sweeps in and grabs them and says... This was the plan. Uh, yeah, we made a plan. <laughs> we, 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 instead of just you going in and handling things, we made a plan. Yep. Impetuous boss Havoc is, but he ain't stupid. This was a team play, just like you've been teaching us. Apparently you forgot a few minutes ago. <laughs> Wolverine's like, oh, fine, I stand corrected. They both fly into Stonewall, and everybody goes flying, 
and with a with a with a bounce. Yeah, that's... that the sound effect is bounce. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine goes clash crashing into the snow. He can't move, so he's just laying there. And that's when we see Blob's big old face, and he's like, he ain't all by his lonesome X jumps. You a big trouble now. And he's riding an avalanche uh, wave, casted by avalanche, of course. And he jumps into the air. Says yeah, he, he asks uh, Avalanche to toss him high, so presumably the Avalanche like works like a seesaw and launches him. He goes flying into the air, and he lands square on Wolverine with a five-panel... Um, Thum, so every panel is T-H-O-O-M. But I'm really confused as to what we're looking at in the second O. Well, that's uh, that's that's the blob's butt. I might even be his taint. <laughs> well, so you look at so so the 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 first O is like uh, it's blob's crotch, and but you can see his his right or his left foot and his right leg and you can see his head looking down like i'm gonna get you and it's it's a pretty decently drawn image and then you go down like a little bit closer and i'm not sure if we're looking at a butt cheek because if we are looking at a butt cheek there's like a b of a v of flesh and i'm not sure what that v of flesh could be because if it's a butt well then like 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 what is what part of his tissue is that skin well I don't. Th- I think you're overanalyzing it. No, this think, has always bugged all, me ever all, since fifth grade. <laughs> like, what is it that we're looking at here? All this is is a zoomed in third frame of what we're seeing in the first two frames. I so I get that right. So so, so yeah, it doesn't make sense. The little uh, the little tip of skin that they show logically makes no sense. But you know that's that's because somebody somebody didn't think this through. Because the H and the O. Definitely illustrates what you're saying. It's a zoom in of his butt as it's landing on Wolverine, and I think it's a great idea, and it looks looks amazing uh, for the most part, except for this second O, where I just like, what are we looking at? It, it's <laughs> like an in like he has like he's wearing like a uh, like a sumo wrestler suit, like a one piece swimming suit. Let's call it that. But he's blob, so he's giant. So, like, it would make some sense if this was inverted. No, it wouldn't make sense if it was inverted. But I don't know. <laughs> it really bugs. It really bothers me because I don't know what it is. You know what it is. You just you just got to accept that it was it was poorly done. Do so you think it's just a total on, a full on mistake? Like somebody just like uh, Glynis Oliver is like I uh, okay, <laughs> just just filled it in skin color. Or or maybe uh, the the part on the. The right that shouldn't be black; it should be like boot color or something. I don't know. Oh, oh! I'll bet you that's what it is. I'll bet you the skin in the V there is like his thighs or whatever, or kind of like the fat from his legs. And that oval, I bet you, is supposed to be one big foot. That yeah, would make that's... sense, and it should be colored like a maybe a dark blue rather than black. Yeah, something something like that. Okay, that maybe makes me feel a little bit better. But really, they could have just made the whole thing black. Yeah, no, that would have made the most sense. <laughs> well, anyways, the M is uh, him fully landing uh, square on Wolverine. So the mass of Blob is somehow covering the entirety of Wolverine. 
And remember, uh, Blob's power is not only that he's fat, but he is uh, immovable. So he's he's stuck. He is not moving off of Wolverine. So one X-Men is out of the game and possibly dead. Well, he uh, in the next panel, Blob does say, Don't fret, X-Men. Little fella ain't croaked. I can still feel him wriggling in my left cheek. <laughs> Which is what I landed on him with. <laughs> He's tickling my balls, too. It's really weird. Ew. <laughs> well, I mean, those are down there somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Longshot recognizes the woman with six arms, but that's all. And he doesn't even fully recognize her. He just She seems awfully familiar. Yep. And Spiral thinks for herself, curse his luck. He sees, he suspects. But before he learns the truth, Spiral will steal his dying breath. So we're still kind of like, it certainly appears that Spiral remembers the events of the Longshot miniseries, but Longshot does not. That's what we're, th- we're, we're going with. Either that or time travel. That's right. Maybe the events of that happened after this, so. or I can't remember. We came up with some decent time travel. Theory. Well, it could be that the events of that happened after this for Longshot, but the events of that happened before this. Oh, right. For for spiral right so future long shot did those events in the past yeah yeah, yeah that's what we came up with i like that <laughs> time travel um <clears throat> so anyways it's all the freedom forces there they sure are and uh side note i've been reading back issues of captain america just for giggles okay and uh valerie cooper's in in captain america a lot lately oh because uh because the the government recently told captain america that they want him to work for them. And you know Cap, he's not going to say yes to that. He likes operating on his own. Right. So he turns in his suit, and he's no longer Captain America. And uh, so they hire this kind of uh, – another guy who's kind of got augmented powers and whatever. But he's – whereas you would say that Captain America is a liberal, right? Uh, this guy is a conservative. Oh, interesting. And so no less American, uh, just a different set of values. Believes in his country in a different way. Okay. And Valerie Cooper is in charge of his training, and uh, he the way that he she trains the new Captain America is with the Freedom Force. Oh, so he he has to fight Freedom Force on a regular basis in order to learn how to fight and yeah. stuff. It's kind of neat, interesting. So that's what's going. This is your Captain America catch up. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Rogue's like, what's going on, Mystique? Mystique's like, I told you what would happen. You should have listened to me in San Francisco. And I told you the X-Men could take care of themselves. So bug off. In addition, there are other uh, considerations mandating your arrest. Havoc's like, uh, you mean your Mutant Registration Act? Nice country, this land of the free. We're simply being born a mutant makes you a criminal. Is Has it been a while since we've heard the Mutant Registration Act? Well, it's I feel been, like that's disappeared for a while. Uh, well, I mean, the X Men have been kind of off the grid for the last, you know, four or five issues. But, but yeah, I mean, mutant registration kind of crops up and down. Uh, it's definitely in the advertising. I mean, you have the mutant registration uh, postcards in the latest issues of X Men. Mm-hmm. All right, all the mutant titles, really. Yeah. So, I don't know. And uh, Mystique's like, no, possessing powers means nothing, just using them. And he's like, well, you used to be the former leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And she's like, times change, boy. Get out of my way. Sisterhood. Sisterhood. Well, for a while it was the Sisterhood, oh, but it was also right. the Brotherhood. <laughs> like it was the Sisterhood for like an issue of Dazzler. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> 
And Silac reaches out to Dazzler and says, don't make any reaction to my telepathic contact after Dazzler's like, what? What was that? No, she doesn't do that. <laughs> and here Dazzler looks really good. Like, this is a, the, her glasses look cool in this panel. Yeah, they're not bad. But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they would maybe dull the her reaction time. Although I guess the point is she's Dazzler and she's bright, so why wouldn't she wear um, sunglasses too? The future's so bright she's got to wear shades, man. There's that too. She wears her sunglasses at night so she can see. Psylocke says, unleash a flashbulb light burst uh, to blind our foes on her mark. And, and so, apparently her mark is the next panel, because that's when she does it. Yeah. Uh, and But but uh, Destiny's there, and she's like, Frida, freedom force, cover your uh, too late. Because <laughs> she's, she's, she's slow and old and, and a precog, so she knows everything, but she just can't deliver the information fast enough. <laughs> Marion! Don't look into the light! <laughs> yeah, I remember that movie. <laughs> Isn't that uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Lost Ark? Yeah, that was the one. Okay, I like that Raiders one. of the Lost Temple of Ark? Yeah. Weren't there some skulls in there? Raider, Raider let's see. Uh, Raiders of the Last Temple of Skulls. There, I combined all four of them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're supposed to be making a... Uh, another one of them a fifth yep. one i guess i'll go see it yeah but after the last one i'm not expecting it to be much i don't think i saw crystal skulls in the theater and boy when i saw it i was happy i didn't <laughs> it was worth it to see it in the theater i mean at this point they're just going to be silly and old men so i'll tell you i liked i think a lot of people had uh, complaints about the opening uh, so it's the 50s and the, he's on a nuclear test site for I don't know a, a reason uh, and he gets into the fridge and like gets blown up and like flies across. I liked all of that I was like this is Indiana Jones I think a lot yeah. of people had a pl- problem with that I was like nope this is how an Indiana Jones movie should start out with just like some impossible thing and he impossibly gets out of the situation and somehow the events of that tie into the rest of the movie and so happy uh it was when um they were swinging through the vines with the monkeys where i was like oh this is bad this is really bad and then it it was not a great movie and then when they finally got to the kingdom I, i don't even know that i i i can honestly say i don't think i've seen the movie from start to finish uh, without falling asleep somewhere at least once. The first half of the movie is a solid movie, up until probably when they leave uh, America. I probably agree with that, because I was super happy to see uh, Marion. What, what's her face? Uh, yep. What, yeah. Uh, Ravenwood? Yeah, well, whatever her real name is. but Because but oh. she was also in Scrooged, also a fan favorite of mine. Oh. Uh, but yeah, she's super happy to see her uh, reuniting with Indiana Jones. And, and I think you're right. I think maybe the first half was like solid. And I didn't even mind Shia LaBeouf, but kind of tell you. He's not bad. I mean, he, he's it's only it's only the last half where it just gets like there there's a ridiculous level that Indiana Jones can sustain. And it is called the Temple of Doom. You go past that and <laughs> you just you're, you're into you're into awkward territory. Do you think? Indi- do you think Indiana Jones enters ridiculous territory? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I might have my my uh, my rose-colored glasses on, but 
Um, I, I know that it's not as strong as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and maybe it's not as strong as Last Crusade. I, I uh, honestly, a Temple of Doom is my favorite one. So I'm I like the wrong Temple. Person to... Oh, okay. I mean, I like Temple of Doom a lot. I, I think it's probably the one I've seen the most out of all of them. But uh, if if someone were to ask me my favorite out of all of them, I'd say Raiders of the Lost Ark, just because it kicked everything off, and it's just such a, in my opinion, such a well paced. Uh, movie it uh, is and they all have like uh they all have like I, I i would not say i say the temple of doom is my favorite because it is it is like an action film that never stops yeah and, yeah and i it's it's like a roller coaster ride almost and then there are literal roller coasters in the movie maybe there's a there's, yeah. a, there's a literal cliffhanger in the movie yeah it's, yeah, now that I think and, about and, it. And I love all of that about it. But like, but yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a great film. Uh, Last Crusade, probably my least favorite of the trilogy, only because it rehashes a lot of the same plot as Raiders of the Lost Ark. But then you have that, uh, uh, his father stuff, and that right. that stuff is undeniably great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 so um, how do we get on this topic? Uh, yeah, Mystique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Somehow Mystique. Her last name is Darkholm, which is very close to uh, oh, Raven, Raven Darkholm. Oh, Dazzler, Dazzler cast a light. That's what it was. And it melted all the Brotherhood's faces off. What was what was her name in the movie? Marion Ravenwood? Ah, Marion Ravenwood, Raven Darkholm. There, and then the light. And yeah, Christmas Yeah, calls. very close, very close. It could have very well been Raven Darkholm. Why not? <laughs> sure, why not? That sounds like an Indiana Jones type name. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you ever get a chance, there is a there is like a thirty minute documentary of the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it is fascinating to watch. It it's it just shows like they they shot the film and I think the uh, a very short amount of time, and they were practically making it up as they went along. Hmm. And you get to see Steven Spielberg directing in a way that like he's just kind of making stuff up as he goes. And, and, and it's really, it's really fascinating to watch. I, I, I re, like I've never, I've never disrespected Steven Spielberg in any way, but I've got a newfound respect for him just watching how his brain thinks and how he communicates with actors. It was really impressive. I'll have to check it out. So yeah, um, Dazzle Blast, Destiny alerts her. Uh, so she's Dazzle Blasting, and that's when Super Saber he speeds in and does his little snap sonic boom, and she's out for the count. And and uh, and strangely enough, she falls to the ground unconscious, and it looks like her boob goes out her back. <laughs> no, I think that's uh, her elbow from her. Yeah, I think so too. But that's what it looks but, like. But it does kind of look like. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. She she landed in sexy pose, like her butt's like way up in the air. Well, of course, nobody does anything that isn't sexy when Mark <laughs> Silvestri's around. And that's when um, uh, Spiral goes after Longshot and uh, he's like, oh, why won't you leave us alone? Spiral's like, you're dangerous. But that's when Longshot looks into her eyes and he's like, this has nothing to do with the X-Men. It's me Spiral hates. And yet in her eyes behind the rage, something tender and then she's like, what did he see? Blast him! <laughs> his change, his tone has changed. Yep, stand your ground, let our debt be settled. What is the debt? I don't remember what the debt is. Um, the, the, yeah, I don't, I'd have to reread Longshot, the limited series for that. <sighs> that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's when uh, Rogue, she flies in and she's like, hey, babe, you mind, uh, you have a mind of subtle scores. How about starting with me? And I think this is probably in reference to X-Men 206 when when she went all crazy after absorbing Spiral's powers. So they're off. Uh, Destiny's like, or no, Mystique's like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what we came here to do. We shouldn't be fighting. We're supposed to get them out of here. Why did I threaten to arrest them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at this leadership thing. Destiny, I think maybe you'd be more suited for this. I mean, you do see the future. You could tell us what the best decision is. And she pulls off her mask and she's like, I cannot. The timeline's tangling, twisting, tearing. I didn't get a discount at McDonald's today. I'm very, <laughs> very cross. And do you know what they told me at Bridge Club? They, they told me I could... <laughs> Oh, my uh, coffee was too hot. I burned my tongue. All the of eternity is collapsing, like the knitting project I was working on last night. <laughs> Did you see? It was a quilt until it collapsed. Uh, this, we're gonna no hope, not before us, but death. She, she's an old lady. Good night, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to lay down for a while. It is way <laughs> past 2 p.m. Psylocke, meanwhile, is using her telepathy to try to move Blob. He's immovable, but her plan is to convince him that he no longer wants to sit there. And he's like, uh, you can't make me. I ain't budging. But it's so very uncomfortable. Hey, did I... Why did I do an Irish accent there? Yeah, she's British. <laughs> She sounds like uh, uh I was trying to do my Mrs. Doubtfire, yes. but I got my signals crossed. And that's when Super Saber comes in again. He's not going to do the sonic boom, which he should, because that's the thing that would solve this problem. But instead, he's going to tackle her, but he's unable to tackle her because she was psychically projecting that she was like two feet to the left. So again, the sonic boom totally would have taken her out, but he changed would his Would it plans. though? How yeah. directional is the sonic boom? Maybe he would have sonic boomed in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, but then he wouldn't have gone flying into Blob, ricocheting off into Avalanche, or I'm sorry, Stonewall, and then ricocheting off into Avalanche. That wouldn't have that happened. Is, that is true. <laughs> but maybe she also psychically told him not to use the sonic boom oh all right that could be but she would have thought that to himself herself because she's like simple i was never really there what you saw was a telepathic illusion and i told you not to use your sonic boom <laughs> well she, she says that off panel <laughs> <laughs> yeah but nothing in comics happens if it's off panel you know that <laughs> Commando shows up, Crimson Commando, because this is the only thing that he does, because he doesn't have any powers, or he's a tracker or something, and does the uh, the G.I. Joe karate chop to the back of the head, which causes Psylocke to pass out. Me, I'm trained to free the mind of all thought and being while retaining my body's ability to act. What? In essence, to exist without being perceived. I moved right up behind you and stood behind you, and you never even know it. I was there for like 20 minutes. This is interesting because the other day at work, I was walking uh, around just just getting a little bit of fresh air, a little bit of exercise, and I found that like my mind was just like thinking about like, oh, I want to get back to my desk. I got to do this. I got to do that. And no, oh, this guy, I got to call this guy and email this person. And I was like, man, is there a way that I can just shut this off and just like not think and just like like look at leaves and be like leaves 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 grass 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 sidewalk there sidewalk, is sidewalk. it's called meditation that's well that's what i came my own conclusion to as i was walking i was like i want to like i want to walk 50 feet and just like not have a thought i was like man it's really hard to do this because even when you're thinking about not having a thought you're like 
right now I'm going to think about, oh, damn it, I'm thinking. <laughs> so then. Well, uh, meditation will tell you that it's, it's okay to let those thoughts in. You just have to let them pass through. Oh. And every time they come in, you just tell them to keep passing through. And they're going to keep coming in because that's the way the human mind works. But you just keep letting them pass through. There's like a whole walking meditation thing. Yeah. You just focus on your your steps. I was, yeah, I was trying to focus on my steps and then like focus on my breathing, like really hear my breathing and just, just yeah. like think about breathing. Uh, but so then it was, it was interesting that just a couple of days after I had that experience at work, I'm reading this and you've got Crimson Commando here who's trained to free his mind of all thought and being. Mm, yeah. Well, if Destiny had been at your office, she could have told you that in a few days you'll understand every. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. And so, anyways. Uh, How did I get to your office? Where am I? <laughs> Blob, he's like, he's super happy about this. He thinks everything's so funny. It's like, about time that stuck-up snooty limey broad got taught a lesson. And his face goes from utter joy to happiness to surprise. And then comically, he launches up off the ground, clasping his butt, and he says... Yow! Well, in the very first panel with his head, you there's a snicked. That's so true. It, it takes four panels for it to settle in. Well, I guess three panels. Yeah, there's a lot of blubber to get through. Um, <laughs> so, on the one hand, you could look at this fourth panel and be like, well, that's stupid. He wouldn't launch up like 20 feet in the air. But the comic book enthusiast in me is like, that. I don't know. That's just funny. Especially that's with funny. the fifth panel with Wolverine just laying there, his arms straight up. He's got a big grin on his face. He's like, happy landings, Tubbo. It all works just, for me. So he's been maneuvering this whole time to get in this position. <laughs> yes. If I can just get my hand over here. Oh, snicked. Oh, I didn't hit anything that time. Snacked. Okay, maybe over here. Snicked. Oh, still didn't hit anything. Oh, man, this sucks. What am I touching? What is this? What part of the body is this? Is this up or down? I can't tell. <laughs> Might be sideways. And that's when Colossus teleports in in one of uh, Ilyana's teleportation discs. He's got a big question mark, but he, he doesn't think. He just reacts. And as he lands, as Blob comes towards him, he's like, Ain't it Colossus? I thought he was sick or something. To coin a phrase, Gospodin Blob, I got better. And, and he, he whammos him. He punches him across the room because Blob's still in air. And everybody knows when... He is not touching the ground. He is totally movable. Heck yeah. And he goes flying up against the building. The X-Men are kind of recuperating, getting recollected there when Storm shows up. And she says, X-Men, why are you fighting? You and Freedom Force are both supposed to be heroes, for heaven's sake. They're our friends. This once, do as Mystique says. That's when Rogue tackles her and says, nah, this ain't Storm. <laughs> I mean, it should have been pretty obvious to all you guys, but... I know it ain't Storm. Yeah, well, this is, it was foreshadowed last issue when the stranger showed up and said, can I watch you exercise? And Rogue's like, no, it's a private session. And Mystique's like, I thought you could recognize me or something. She's like, yeah, well, it's been a while, but now yeah. I got those telltale signs. Yeah. So, was, so don't try it again. It's good. A little setup last issue and is knocked down in this issue. Uh, Mystique does, it is Mystique. Uh, so, so Rogue is flying with Mystique. Uh, uh, dust or uh, spiral, spiral shoots, shoots them out them. of the air. So they both come crashing to the ground. Uh, I guess they go in opposite directions because the X Men are able to collect Mystique, and Freedom Force is able to collect Rogue. Although I find it hard to believe that Freedom Force would be able to hold on to Rogue. 
I'm assuming Rogue is unconscious. Yeah. Okay. She hit she hit the ground in a bad way. And uh, this is when Longshot drags Madeline Pryor back onto the scene. I don't know where she's been for this whole thing, but but she's okay. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> she's okay. And so they're like, well, let's. Uh, <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. They're like, well. Let's go into the building. We'll use it for cover while we figure out what to do next, even yeah, though it shot at us and we kind of collapsed most of it. But let's go in yeah, there. Like, I thought the building was, the whole thing was collapsed. I don't know. Maybe it's just a few floors. Because, <laughs> I mean, the, the outer shell is still there from what we can see in this battle. So as they're about ready to head in, Destiny comes running and she's like, Stop them, Freedom Force, they mustn't enter that accursed tower. Anybody who goes in there at dawn will die. Crimson Commando holds her back. No, we've got one of theirs, we're fine. We'll rescue Mystique, you have my word. And that's when, almost on cue, a tear opens up in the night sky, letting in sunlight. It kind of looks like an evil eye getting larger and larger. Destiny's like, Commando, what's happening? Why does my face suddenly feel warm? I'm popping a toaster near your face. <laughs> no, uh, he says there's a great hole, uh, the great gaping hole torn in the sky, old woman, and sunlight is shining through it. And it's nighttime. Then it has begun. The end, I fear, of the X-Men and possibly the... Does anybody have an apple pie? <laughs> I smell apple pie. <laughs> oh, the world is probably ending, too. Next oh, issue. Mystique. Next issue, go tell the Spartans. So it is go not... Go tell it on the Spartans. What exactly is a Spartan? Um... Didn't you see 300? I saw 300, and I live in a town where all of the major restaurants, bars, are named after the Spartans, and the high school team are the Spartans, but I don't know what a Spartan is. Um, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to know, the, the easiest way for you to answer, uh, to learn what the Spartans are, is to go read the uh, a, highly, a highly fictionalized version but uh, you can read 300, the graphic novel. I saw the movie. Well, yeah, but go go read the graphic novel. It's better. Aren't there like a bunch of naked women up in a tower? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> that happens. It's probably naked men, too. Uh, okay, well, there you go. There you go. We got a Twitter, Henry Baker. He tweeted us the question we discussed at lunch that needs answers. So I'm guessing Henry Baker had a lunch if Wolverine was split down the middle in two perfect halves, which half heals? Or do both heal and we get two Wolverines? Question can be applicable to Deadpool as well. I already have an answer, Adam. Okay, go. No, but I want to hear what you have to say. I think um, you end up with two Wolverine halves. Like each each side uh, heals up, but like it doesn't grow a new half. It, grow, it just kind of heals over. I don't think so. So you end up you end up with two Wolverine halves. Doesn't Wolf, and, Wolverine into uh, another degree Deadpool? Can't they like regrow fingers and limbs? I mean, if Deadpool two showed us anything, is that you can regrow an entire lower half? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Wolverine has in 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 the future, and I think I've pointed this out before. His his uh, he's been blown up in a bomb, and nothing was left but his skeleton, which has then regrown into a whole Wolverine. Hmm. Um, and, and it was stupid, but <laughs> it went through a lot of, 
they went through a lot of detail in those panels to explain how this could be possible, you know, and it's like, whatever, at least, at least you're making the effort, I guess. So now, now I feel like I have two answers based on what okay. you just said. So uh, the question is, if Wolverine got split down in the middle into two perfect halves, which half heals? The answer would be, you can't cut Wolverine in half in two perfect halves because adamantium. Well, let's say you have uh, that that blade that cuts adamantium or whatever, the the Muramusa sword or something like that. Okay, then my answer is probably not going to hold up with what you just said. If he can be regrown from his skeleton. My answer was going to be uh, the left side grows back because that's the side with the heart. Oh. Mm. But, I mean, if he can regrow himself back from a skeleton, then you don't need a heart, clearly. You just need... Then that begs the question is, like, if a finger falls off, does that finger grow a new Wolverine? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Every time he clips his fingernails, does each one of those fingernails grow a Wolverine off of it? There are so many Wolverines out there. <laughs> well, he has he has adamantium fingernails, so he he just he doesn't grow them that much. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anytime he gets a haircut, like each little hair grows a new Wolverine out of it. A tiny little Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or I got a full size Wolverine. Maybe his hairs grow full size Wolverines. Because I I I mean, uh, fingernail tissue and hair is not alive, as far as I know. But if Wolverine has healing factor in all of his cells... Well, I guess the question is, like, when the human body heals something, it considers a stub to be healed. Like, if a a normal human being loses a limb or a a hand or something, then, like, the, the tissue will not grow a new hand, but it will... It will heal to the point where it is it is safe to be a, a body again. So, but yeah. Wolverine obviously does, has has a healing factor which allows things to grow back. Here's a question. So I've seen issues where Wolverine's insides have been removed and then they'll grow back. Uh, in fact, I think there was like a Punisher Spider-Man Wolverine or Daredevil or one of those crossover things where. One of them was like, oh, Wolverine's in the corner over there regrowing a new set of guts because they'd been, like, ripped out by somebody. Right. And that, I guess, whatever. I guess maybe that makes some sort of sense. But Does his does his healing factor ever get, uh, like, screwed up and hardwired or, uh, like, uh, miswired where he accidentally grows back two hearts? <laughs> maybe. But my question <laughs> is, uh, he, he had all of the ad- uh, adamantium ripped out of him at one point, right? Mm-hmm. By, Spoilers? Uh, well... fair enough uh was there ever a point in that time period where he either broke a bone or like lost a limb and grew it back meaning that like the bone was regrown or healed and i guess that doesn't even count too because the human body can heal a cracked bone or even a broken bone that's true hmm interesting i like right around the time when the adamantium was ripped out of his body uh was around the time that i stopped reading wolverine so i i have no idea other than the fact that the next thing was revealed about the secret about his bones which i won't or his claws which i won't won't go into although we've probably spoiled that like eight times on the show but uh everybody's gonna forget yeah well whatever <laughs> so i but i don't know if he loses any limbs at that point so uh, I guess, you know, gun at my head, give an answer. It's the side with the heart that grows back. I like that. It's scientifically based. 
What happens to the other half? It withers away and dies. It, <laughs> I mean, he, I guess. Does he eat it? Oh, yeah. Maybe for sustenance. It helps his healing factor go faster. Uh, there you go. And then I, I don't know too much about Deadpool, but same answer for Deadpool. I believe uh, Deadpool's has. I think it was, I, and I could be wrong about this, but I think eventually it was determined that Deadpool just has a variant of Wolverine's healing factor. Okay. Like it's not. It's not his own power, but it is part of his involvement in the Weapon X project. And the only reason that it works on him is because he also had the, the cancer that offsets it. Right. So there you go. If you have any other wacky mutant uh, scientific-related questions you'd like to ask us or just chime or in. Or if you have some answers to that their question that we just attempted to answer. Heck, Yeah. Feel free to get a hold of us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, at Danger Room Go is where you can follow us, email us, Danger Room at Red Cat Productions, oh boy, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Uh, you can go to iTunes, visit us there, you can subscribe to our podcast, uh, give us a review, leave us some stars. You can phone us at 501-GET-X-MEN, that's 501-438-9636. And as always, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And this fall of the mutants train keeps uh, moving down the track. Choo-choo! X-Factor number 24. Well, actually, before we do X-Factor, we should do the Hulk. Okay. It, it, it technically takes place directly before the issue that we just did. And, um, and, and it I, shouldn't take that long. I had meant to, to read it because it's the, the, the one, right, that we talked about a little bit with Wolverine's claws and Hulk's reflection in the claws. And I talked about how I didn't like the claws because they didn't look right. But uh, I don't have it. <laughs> so you, It's not in your collection? No. Well, actually, you're right. You know what? I was only reading it on my digital format. But you're right. It probably is totally. I didn't even bother to look at the paper stuff. Well, anyways, what did you get out of Hulk number 340? Um, I will quickly find it and, uh, you know, thumb through it. It is, uh, it is, it takes place in between last issue and this issue where the X-Men are, are on their way to Dallas and they, we get, we get some Todd McFarlane drawing the X-Men and Peter David writing a lot of long shot talking about how, Hey guys, I've got luck powers. In case you were wondering, I've got luck powers. Everybody luck powers. Hmm. So Wolverine has no reason not to know that uh, Longshot has luck powers after this issue. Okay. Because Longshot mentions it like eight times. Um, Wolverine gets separated from the Hulk, or uh, from the X-Men, and meets up with the new Gray Hulk. And it's sort of a, a throwback to the, the old issue where they first uh, met. Wolverine's trying to be the leader of the team, and he kind of wants to just let bygones be bygones and he's like i don't want to fight you hulk but hulk is able to get him riled up and get him into his animalistic side and they kind of they fight a little bit animal against animal and uh that's pretty much it it's basically a big fight after that you know it's until i think uh the the kid uh rick rick shows up and is like come on guys stop it you're being stupid yeah, yeah. I don't really care for Todd McFarlane's artwork in this issue. I think he does an interesting Hulk. I like that, but I don't like anything else really. Yes, reading this run of Hulk of McFarlane's Hulk um, has made me realize that he's not a very good artist. 
But I think when he starts doing Spider-Man, which is in like a couple months, I mean, his his Spider-Man is just... I would say he does a phenomenal Spider-Man, like in yes, the costume his Spider- Spider-Man. His Spider-Man is fantastic. He does he does that webbing that was original and unique and really cool. And uh, but I think his his people are just weird heads. They all have weird heads. He draws, oh man, characters. But I don't even I don't think that's the right word. Kind of warped. They're good. They're they're good drawings. Like if I could draw like that. Um, I would be impressed with myself. Um, it's kind of like, uh, oh man, now I'm going to forget names. Uh, it's got so a, I think this, this <clears throat> is one of the first issues that he's inking himself. He's got a style onto his own, and if he was in charge of his own universe, then I think all of the characters work. But when you try to put those characters that look all weird and have their weirdness look about them, and you set them in the Marvel Universe where it's established that people look like people, that's when things get weird for me. Because I agree, like, when uh, when we were collecting Spider-Man, which was Todd McFarlane's flagship book, uh, totally like Spider-Man, totally like, like, his lizard and, like, his villains, but then whenever they'd flip to, like, the, the television news, talking heads type stuff, you'd be like, that dude's got a weird head. Yeah, and, and I think even in the first, like, ten issues, Wolverine guest stars, and I never liked his Wolverine. No. He's always too wide. He's too wide in this issue, too. Too many lions. Anyhow. He, he does draw a good leader, though. Well, good, good Hulk and a good leader. And I think that's just because they're, like, mutant, non-human people, right? Non-human people? Yes, definitely non- non-human people. <laughs> Non-human humanoids? So you have some creative liberties that you can take. Anyways, uh, X Factor. So, no- so, so at the end of this, Wolverine goes back to uh, find the X Men because uh, they crashed their plane, which I guess never really gets uh, mentioned. Did they crash their plane? Maybe they didn't crash their plane. Maybe they, maybe some other plane crashed. I was flipping through the issue to see that because that would be a continuity error. I think yeah. it looks like uh, it looks like they did not crash the plane. It looks like something else exploded and they went to go check it out or something. So this month in Fantastic Four, a side note, um, Thing gets his double thing, you know, the weird spiky thing, and and uh, what's-her-name, Sharon, becomes another thing, and she looks like the older version of the thing. Oh. So the, the, the Thing is now twice as strong because he's, he's stronger than usual because of the double Rocky thing. And the Hulk, the Gray Hulk, we know is not as strong as the Green Hulk. So does that mean that Thing at this point could easily take out Grey Hulk? I don't I, care. I do. I want to know. <laughs> I is there? There's got to be an issue coming up that that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's got to be. I'm looking that forward question, to yeah. it. All right, tell me about X Factor. Oh, it's it's not much happens here. Um, I think the meat and potatoes of Fall of the Mutants is all X Men, and I think everybody else on the mutant creative team is like, oh man. We got to put together three issues because um, this is this is very long in the tooth. Uh, Apocalypse has teleported X Factor and Caliban to the ship, and he's like, "Hey, I've been around forever. I've been in many forms and many gods, and it feels like he's 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 saying like, you you mutant hunters have created this hysteria, and this hysteria has created me.'" 
I feel like is what he's trying to say because all these other forms are when like people were praying or, or whatever. But I don't think that that's what ultimately Apocalypse's um, origin ends up as. But anyways, I think that's what he's trying to say. Well, I, I think, I mean, maybe maybe he's saying that in times of difficulty, he shows up I guess. to take advantage of stuff. Yes, and... and uh, Yes, an X factor with their mutant hysteria has brought about that time, which I guess kind of makes sense as to why, like, if Apocalypse has been around for 300 years, why hasn't he been making trouble? Has he been right. sleeping this whole time? And I guess maybe he sort of was. He goes on to talk about the smiley faces and Angel and all sorts of stuff, and he brings out, it's, he brings out his horsemen, and they fight, and they fight, and he brings out death. And uh, everyone's like, who's that? Oh, I recognize him. Oh, my God, it's Warren. Warren, what have you done? So there you go. The big reveal that we have known about forever. And it, <laughs> and it's done, right? There's a reveal. Like, he comes out, and he's all evil-looking. He's got these giant wings. And, and then he pulls his mask off, and you can see his blonde eyebrows. And you can see his pretty boy smile. And Gene's like, oh my god, his face looks so familiar. It's Warren! So I feel like if they would have done this whole thing better, like, this could have been a shocking reveal in Fall of the Mutants for the audience. But, but maybe as, it was. I, no, I don't think it was. We <laughs> we read the issues, I mean, from, from, I swear to god, like, the issue after Warren commits suicide, you know. Will I get my wings back? Will I be able to fly? Like, you know it's Angel. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so he... he it does a little demonstration of his powers. He he can fly real fast. He can shoot um, spiky feathers that have um, some synapse disruptor fluid on them, which kind of makes you kind of paralyzed. They're adamantium. Do they mention that yet? No, they do not mention oh, okay. that these are adamantium. These are just metal feathers. Okay. There's a brief moment when uh, Gene reaches out to Angel and almost looks like Angel's going to be like, oh, yeah. But he's like, no, Xavier's gone. Apocalypse is very much with with us. Apocalypse made death. Xavier made Angel what he was. And he single-handedly captures Beast, Iceman, Cyclops, and Gene. So I think the reveal here for the audience is not so much that Warren is death, but it's this is this is what the outcome of like I think the story after after reflection the story is not so much as like who is death, but what is happening to Warren. No, I I get that. I just think that there's a there was a missed opportunity. Like you could have done both. Uh, yeah, you could have obfuscated what. Uh, Apocalypse was doing with Warren this whole time. Like, he's working on something. It's going to be, like, the newest, most powerful creature that's going to lead you all. It's going to be the fourth horseman. Like, we could have done that whole thing without obviously knowing it was Warren. And then we could have had the reveal of Warren, and then we could have seen, like, what Warren has become. Because what it is is he, he is rejecting everything Xavier taught him. And he's like, yes, Apocalypse Way is the way. And he and the rest of the horsemen take off to destroy Manhattan. Uh, their plan is basically to destroy the weak so that the strong may rise up. Uh, and meanwhile, throughout this whole thing, Caliban's here and he's like, I'm so weak, I wish I had powers, I can't do anything. And 
when all of X-Factor is captured, Caliban comes up and he's like, oh, Caliban is here. And Cyclops is like, whoa, I'd forgotten. And Caliban's like, forgotten about Caliban, huh? So has Apocalypse. Well, maybe I'll rescue you. And Cyclops is like, yeah, you, sh you should totally do that. You should free us. But then Caliban's like, no. Caliban is sorry, Scott Summers, but Caliban too will do as he must. Apocalypse, give me your power! And Apocalypse is like, you want to be strong? You got it. And Caliban's like, I'll give you my body and soul! <laughs> and so the issue ends with uh, the death and the other three horsemen about to lay waste upon Manhattan. And I believe that these tie into like other issues in the Marvel Universe and then we'll come back to X-Factor. I think. Like, I think there's a Thor tie-in. I don't know. Anyways, not too exciting. Not as exciting as the X-Men. But I wonder if, like, you know, you're reading this for the first time. Yes, it's obviously Angel. That but doesn't... You're, you're, you're being... You're getting the, 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 the... You're getting a story that's being built up, and you're like, you know it's Angel this whole time. You know something's coming from this. And then you see... Archangel essentially for the first time and uh you're like whoa I don't think he's that Archangel at this point I think he's just death well right right I mean but 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 I get it right it's the big reveal of his character design and how cool it is like before he could just fly with his feathers and now he's got knives with synapse disruptors and and I'm behind all of that I just feel like uh the scope of what we're dealing with in the X-Men Fall of the Mutants is so much larger than the scope of what we're dealing with in X-Factor yeah so, and it's just, I feel, yeah. Anyway, so I, I just feel like it's a weaker story than the X-Men story. That's all. I, I, I won't argue with that. <laughs> now, speaking of weak stories, tell me about New Mutants. This is a double-sized issue, so. <laughs> I feel like, did we start the other one too early? Because these should be running simultaneously. Uh, the reason that we're doing it this way is because the uh, New Mutants is published as far as I can tell, like a couple weeks before X-Men. Okay. So as a result, we're always doing one month ahead okay. of New Mutants just to keep the chronology not annoying. So yeah. I have to keep saying, this issue takes place before the issue that we just did. Got it. That sort of thing. Um, so yeah, as, as a result, we are slightly ahead. Last, last uh, episode, issue 59 that I covered, I didn't even mention was the first of the New Mutants, Fall of the Mutants. You didn't. And uh, so when I went to read this, I was like, wait, this is double-sized. Doesn't this mean it's the second issue of Fall of the Mutants? And then I had yeah. to go get 59. I was like, wait a minute, Adam already talked about this. So, oh, yeah. you confused me. Well, good. Okay. Um, that's what I hoped to do, was to confuse at least one person out there. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, yeah, so this is this is a double-sized issue. And uh, I barely remember most of it. So the the highlights are that there's this 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 bad guy who is um, creating these animal mutates essentially, <laughs> and he's the Could he's the just, animator. Just skip to the Magneto part and the the. Well, I got I got to set it up. All right, I got to set it up because like Cameron Hodge uh, eventually shows up and. That's sort of important. Um, meanwhile, Roberto and Warlock are back, as we established last issue. Um, Magneto leaves to go to the Hellfire Club to determine uh, if he can use their computers to figure out maybe maybe uh, their mutant location equipment will help him figure out where the new mutants are. Uh, Roberto and Warlock figure it out on their own while he's gone, and rather than wait for him to return... 
they leave a note <laughs> and leave. Well, he does say um, like this, this, we're going to leave, but this time we're going to leave a note. Right. Which of course gets blown off the table as they fly away. So Magneto's not going to see the note is the point. Um, Cameron Hodge, who apparently has, has employed this animator guy who used to be a scientist of some sort. Um, uh, I guess he's hired him to test animals and uh, try to track down mutations or something like that. And what the animator is doing is uh, beyond that. He's kind of creating his own race that he plans to overthrow the world with, I guess, maybe. Um, at this point, uh, Ileana goes back to the mansion to see if she can get help from Magneto. Irony of ironies. She goes into the exact same room where Roberto was. And, of course, the note's not there. I'm not sure why Magneto's not there. It's like several hours later, but I guess he's hanging out with Hellfire Club. So I'm assuming that this is like while she's doing this, this is where she jumps over to Colossus's because like she's bouncing around at this point. So maybe this is the important mission that she's talking about when she talks to Colossus. Sure. That kind of makes sense, right? Sure. But she goes back with a baseball bat and she uses that to uh, fight off some of the mutant animals that the new mutants are now fighting with. They had previously been captured and then they escaped. And then Cameron Hodge shows up and says, ah, the New Mutants, I presume, and he's got all the happy faces behind him. And the happy faces go to town and kill most of the, um, well, they sh- first they shoot up the New Mutants, and it looks like they're all dead. And then they go around and just start killing all of the animals, mutants that the guy has been working on. They don't shoot the guy for some reason, the animator. That's Hodge's, uh, bird brain. That's Hodge's boy. Well, yeah, but like, I don't know, they're killing people. So <laughs> whatever. It's for plot. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Bird Brain uh, just convinces some of the mutant animals to fight back, which they do. And they manage to rescue some of the new mutants who are not dead. Uh, they they had used um, dummy bullets and they're, they put on helmets similar to the ones that they used in X-Factor to, I guess, well, the ones in X-Factor, like, were specific to their powers, weren't they? Yes. Each so one they, was... must have, they must have New Mutant-specific ones, too. Okay. Either that or maybe this is just a generic uh, New Mutant-canceling power. I don't know. Anyway, Roberto and Warlock eventually do show up and help out. Um, Doug wants to reconvene and say hello to Warlock, but everybody keeps telling him, you got to stay out of the way, you don't have any powers. And he sees uh, Rain fighting one of the happy faces and he's like he he sees behind her and she doesn't see that the animator has a pistol and he she's a he's about to shoot rain and he she he says rain he's got a gun and she says of course he does thinking she's talking about the happy face and she's like stay out of the way and the animator shoots at her and he jumps in the way uh doug jumps in the way of rain and takes the bullet for her which rain doesn't even realize until the end of the fight and finally, uh, Cameron Hodge leaves without without anybody and decides to nuke just nuke the, the island, which he does poorly because <laughs> nobody dies. Nope. And then a giant sea monster, presumably created by the animator, uh, captures their their plane. And now it seems that Cameron Hodge might be dead. It does. I'm betting, betting he's not though. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, uh, Bird Brain manages to get the uh, the edge on the animator, 
and becomes the leader of the 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 animal mutants and the new mutants realize that Doug is dead and they freak out about that a little bit as they should and uh Ileana threatens to kill the animator with a gun but Rain convinces her not to and so she sends the animator into limbo which seems kind of worse to me but whatever yeah no kidding um and Doug is dead that's kind of where we end. He was your favorite mutant, and now he's dead. He was my favorite? Uh, wasn't he? I, I I don't know that I have a favorite. Oh, so sorry. I thought Wait, was... you mean like favorite new mutant or favorite mutant overall? I thought he was your favorite mutant of all time. Oh, I think you're making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so that's New Mutants. It was, it was uh, strangely dark. Like this whole animator character is very—it's very dark. There's a lot of a lot of mutant babies that get killed. Yeah, I uh, I read I well I thumbed through it because it was a huge commitment to to read the double sized issue. So uh, I basically skipped all of the weird stuff, which was ninety five percent of the comic. <laughs> so then I had to go back and read some of the weird stuff, and uh, it seems like an interesting concept. It just seems like uh, a decent like outside of the Marvel Universe four-part miniseries about this weird scientist who's hired by, like, this rich guy who... The Cameron Hodge character, so just transplant that into a different universe, who ultimately, like, I think the animator started off as human, but then turned himself into an animal human, and then started turning animals into humans. So then you've got all these animal humans with animal instincts, trying to be humans it's an interesting concept i just don't think it fits into the marvel universe anywhere it uh it's 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 a it's a drastic shift from previous new mutants stories um mainly in tone um the artwork is also very different but i i learned i didn't like the artwork at first because at first glance you kind of look at it and you're just like ugh. it just it looks kind of gross um but after after being in this couple of issues i got i got used to it and i i learned to appreciate brett blevins as an artist it's right. definitely very different though right and so so young jeremy would have looked at that and been like this is weird and different i don't like it um yeah but but older more mature of me looks at it and I, you know this is actually pretty good i just don't care about the source material at all but i think again if you transplant this into a one-off and you set it all up and you write a really good story you could do this whole thing uh, just not in New Mutants, but yeah, maybe and maybe that is the core of it is that it just it doesn't fit with anything that we know before about the New Mutants. Um, it 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 fits better as its own story and not as a superheroes populated into the middle of this story sort of thing. Right. Anyhow, and maybe that's what the problem with uh, the Nage story is is that that on its own is an interesting story. And that it doesn't really fit with what the X-Men are doing. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, we also covered, well, we also read Strange Tales number nine. Did you, did you flip through this one? Flip through it. I saw that Dazzler did some stuff, and that's about it. This, this was kind of, I mean, this was very short. Um, I it, like the fact that she's like, I know that you're Cloak and Dagger because on my downtime at school, I read the files. And you guys are mutants who are enhanced by a drug. Yeah, she does mention the files, which is kind of nice. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> um, so Cloak and Dagger are apparently not Cloak and Dagger anymore, or at least Dagger is not Dagger anymore. Cloak 
apparently uh, is Cloak again because he really liked being uh, close to Dagger and he thought that this would be the only way that he could be close to Dagger again was to become Cloak. But without Dagger, who disapproved of his decision, uh, he has an insatiable hunger and is turning the entire city into blackness as he swallows everything in his path. Eventually, he discovers Dazzler, who gives off an incredibly bright light, which he thinks might satiate him. And she attempts to do so, pouring all of her abilities into his darkness and eventually uh, knocking herself out. And he is going to swallow her, essentially, but... The good part of him uh, does not want to do that. He, there's still a heroic part of him. And that's that's essentially the story. And then at the end, there's some new bad guys, which Mr. Jip, I don't know. I I didn't. I, never, a, I, I always liked the concept of Cloak and Dagger, but I never read Cloak and Dagger. There, there's a bunch of villains. There's uh, this brother-sister duo, maybe, named Light and or Night and Day. Um, they seem like they could be kind of neat. I don't know. But yeah, it's basically just a Dazzler meets Cloak, light light and darkness sort of issue. I feel like the song that Dazzler is singing at the very beginning of it is a song that I recognize, but I couldn't quite place it. Even if I am in love with you, all this to say what's good to you. The rose tattoo of the fingerprints on me from you. Other evidence. Is that it? That's hard to tell. <laughs> I think it is familiar to me is, at but all. I, but I think I think it's uh, I think it is, but I think it's like a, a kind of a modernization of it. Okay. I've never heard that song before in my life. Me neither. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm glad we got. I'm glad we got that out of our way. Okay then. Well, I think this is a. Uh, it's been a nice long one here, so I think we just put it to bed, huh? Let's do it. All right, man. Uh, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs>